Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade, your rosary on the road. I was made aware, uh, actually by the same person who sent in the intention yesterday, that yesterday's recording was not up to snuff, and I went to listen to it myself just now. Uh, I don't normally listen to these. Uh, I like the sound of my own voice too much. It's a temptation. So I, I was not aware of how really horrible the sound quality was there. I compared it with a couple of past episodes, and I'm not entirely sure what happened. I've got all my windows rolled up. Uh, I don't think that my car was making more noise than usual, but for some reason, the sound of the car and the outdoors drowned out the sound of my own voice. I think it may have been because of where I had the speakers, but we'll go ahead and test this episode before I load it so that everyone can uh, can go ahead and listen to it. Now, the other episode has very few listens, and that's good, <laughs> because it's pretty bad. Uh, but for this installment, what I'll do is I'll retread some of that ground. We, I was able, we were able to hear the intentions up to a certain point, and so the intentions were all there, and the rosary was there, but everything I said afterwards, uh, it seems like there was just quite a lot of interference that ended up picking up most of what was going on outside and not much of what was coming from my mouth. And I'm wondering if it's the direction I have the speaker in. Let me see if I do that and tip it towards my own mouth and see if that hears me a little bit better. But we'll go ahead and give this another try. Uh, given the way that I do this, I don't have a, a whole lot of opportunity to do much editing or that sort of thing. So we'll just have to work with what we have. Uh, at any rate, uh, if you have any special intentions, <laughs> I promise they'll be heard. Uh, the special intention yesterday, for anybody who was listening to the show and uh, did, not get, uh, did not get very far because of how bad the sound quality was, first of all, I want to beg your forgiveness for that. Uh, that's just a technical problem on my end. But we did pray for uh, Armchair F, who was... Uh, struggling with um, isolation and with uh, falling into sin as a result of uh, isolation and what's what's been going on with this nonsensical lockdown policy that's been uh, keeping that's been turning everybody into into uh, well everybody that actually does get locked into their homes and kicked out of their jobs it's uh, turning us all into mental patients and the nation into an asylum, the whole West really into a massive asylum and it's having terrible impact on people. And we prayed for him and for everyone who's suffering from isolation, particularly those who are suffering from isolation from God, which was very appropriate yesterday on Holy Tuesday because of uh, what happened at the table of Simon the leper, which is what we spoke about. And I'll speak a little bit more about that today as well. I want to continue to pray for those people. I want to pray particularly today for people who are struggling with doubt and with despair because these things can arise out of precisely the situation in which we are presently in. Uh, and Judas was one who was filled with doubt and also with sin. And when you take doubt and sin and put them together, inevitably you end up with either complete libertinism or despair and really both of those things are the same thing they are casting away salvation because one does not believe in it 
And so I want to pray for everyone who has the temptation to cast away their salvation because they do not believe in it. And to invoke the holy, the, the holy saints and the Blessed Mother and the Holy Ghost to bring all of those people back into the fold of the believing to have them supernaturally inspired. Because without the supernatural inspiration that is brought about by regular prayer, which is why we do what we do with the rosary, as well as with meditation, we really cannot ever have any hope. You know, those first three Hail Marys that you say at the very beginning of the rosary are for faith, hope, and charity, the three supernatural virtues. And it's very important to bear that in mind and to make a deliberate prayer to that end so as to invite those things into your heart so you don't fall into despair and you don't suffer from a self-isolation from God. So that's what I'd like to pray for today is for all of those people who are suffering from doubt and despair and for anyone who did not get a chance to listen yesterday, I want you to please pray for Armchair F and for his struggle with the sins that have grown out of his isolation and uh, a prayer for for his for a true contrition for all of those who are suffering from sins born out of their isolation either from other people or from God today is a Wednesday ooh before we dive in I almost forgot if you have a special intention please do send it in to daily decade requests at protonmail.com that's decade d e c a d e requests in the plural at protonmail.com and we'll have it I'll mention it on the show here and get my entire audience to pray for you and double check the audio quality to make sure that we have the full audience praying for you for today uh, we are on wednesday it's holy wednesday and so it's a latin day so we're going to go ahead and turn uh and uh, turn to god and pray today in the ancient language of the church in nomine patri et fidei et spiritus sancti amen Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificeter nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odiae, et dimidi nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos diminimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus, Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus, Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, 
ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicur erat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in saecula saeculorum. Amen. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordia, vita dulcedo et spes nostre, salve. Ad te clamamus, exulis filia evi, ad te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hac lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos misericordios, misericordios oculos ad nos converte. Et Jesum beatum fructum ventris tui, nobis postoc exilium ostende. O Clemens, O Pia, O Dulci Virgo Maria. Ora pro nobis, Sancta Dei Genetrix, ut dignis officiamo promissionibus Christi. Oremus. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Thomas, who doubted in your rational way the resurrection of our Lord, and who believed on seeing and was repented, intercede for all of us in all of our doubts, great and small, that we might believe without seeing and might grow in faith and bear holy witness to our Lord Jesus Christ, as you did. Saint Mary Magdalene, Saint Mary of Egypt, Saint Augustine of Hippo, who three we invoked yesterday as penitents and converts to the true faith, intercede again for us and continuously for us for all of our conversion of hearts 
that we may come to see how we have isolated ourselves from God and to turn from ourselves to Christ to bask in his love and to share in his glory through our own penitence Saint Augustine pray for us Saint Mary Magdalene pray for us Saint Mary of Egypt pray for us Saint Thomas pray for us for all of us in all our struggles day by day Saint Michael the Archangel defend us in battle be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Sacratissimum Coriezu, miserere nobis. Sacratissimum Coriezu, miserere nobis. Sacratissimum Coriezu, adveniat regnum tom. In nomine Patris, Ephidiae, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Now, I'm debating very heavily whether I want to go over what I talked about yesterday or whether I want to uh, talk about what I wanted to talk about today. I think I'm going to have to smash the two of them together. Now, yesterday I went on a very long and probably incredibly boring history of the three saints that I had invoked, St. Mary Magdalene, Mary of Egypt, and St. Augustine, all of whom are converts, uh, who, well, converts in the sense that they experienced a strong conversion, a metanoia, a turning around. And I think I talked a little bit about conversion. I can't remember whether it was yesterday or the day before, but we talked about conversion before. And this concept of metanoia being different than conversion. Um, St. Mary of Egypt is the one that stands out to me because she is such an exemplar. And she, uh, she was a whore in Egypt and went to Jerusalem on a sort of tourist trip you know, as people do now, they go they go to tour the Holy Land. They don't go on pilgrimage. They just go for tours. And uh, she went on a tour of the Holy Land, and to Jerusalem in particular, to use her ill-gotten gains uh, to purchase trinkets and whatnot and entertain herself. She thought it would be a great lark to go and visit the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, and when she got to the church trying to go in, and there were a number of people trying to go in, she was barred at the gate, and she could not get in. It wasn't that the doors were closed, and it wasn't that there were guards at the gate stopping her from entering. She merely stepped up to the, the steps and tried to walk through the open doors and could not. And at that moment, she experienced metanoia which is a Greek word meaning conversion, but it doesn't mean conversion the way that English means conversion. It means a full turning around, a changing, a fundamental and essential change in the self. And she recognized herself for what and who she was, and she fled. And she just dropped everything, and she fled out into the desert. She stayed there for 40 years until another Christian monk, whose name I have never able to remember, went out and found her and brought her back to be an exemplar and a teacher and a mentor to uh, those who were trying to master the contemplative life. And she was reconciled to Christ by this uh, priest monk who 
administered the Holy Eucharist to her. So, she represents a great conversion of one who was isolated from God in her own life, sought isolation from others as penance for this, and then returned to the church and became a great saint, one of the desert mothers, so to speak. St. Augustine was the same, lived a, a, a life very much immersed in the world around him. And the world of Rome in those days, as many know, was uh, almost as bad as our own days. Uh, there were points at which it dipped further, but for the most part, it's about the same level of debauchery, evil. Even with Christianity in, in full sway, it was, there were evil times and an evil civilization that was really falling apart. And Augustine was a very worldly man. He sought worldly ambitions. He kept worldly company. He was uh, really, for Augustine in his life, Christianity was just silly. Belief in Christianity was just, it was just silly. It was something that silly people believed in. This Old Testament nonsense. That it had none of the beauty of, uh, of great uh, philosophy or, or Roman poetry, Latin poetry, which he was very much immersed in as a professor of rhetoric. It was poorly done, it was silly, it was backwards. And so he became a Manichae, which is a, a form of, uh, uh, of Gnostic uh, uh, heretic, which, um, which basically just expunged the Old Testament altogether, focused entirely on the New which being written in Greek was somewhat more beautiful to the ear, I suppose. And they followed the teachings of Mani, who was a Persian Magi, or Magus rather, who had rejected the fundamental elements of Christianity and turned it into a sort of clone of... Uh, it was very similar to Zoroastrianism, really. Uh, except for the extreme asceticism that dominated among the elders. Anyway, uh, you had these. Uh, you you had this particular sect that he fell in with, largely because the world that he lived in at the time was so worldly, and I really might dare say bourgeois, that they regarded Christianity as being sort of this, in the same way the Christian traditionalists are regarded today, uh, as being really on the best, uh, somewhat silly, and at worst psychopaths as most of the world regards us and so but he had a he had a change as well he had a massive conversion when he met St. Ambrose in Milan and Ambrose really worked wonders for Augustine because he showed first of all how intellectual the faith could be but moreover he demonstrated to Augustine how his self-evaluation of being a man very wise and the world being really quite wonderful uh, was had it all wrong he thought of himself as being very wise where most where all the wisdom really comes from God and the asceticism of the of the Manichees he showed him to be really a sham and so Augustine too had a great conversion after realizing how much togetherness with the world had isolated him from his God. 
which is very similar to St. Mary of Egypt. And of course, St. Mary Magdalene was converted by our Lord himself and became the quintessential penitent. And there was one other saint I mentioned yesterday, Bartolo Longo, and I'm starting to go long again, so I'll keep this short. But he was beatified in 1980. I have a very high opinion of him, though I have my doubts about the beatification and the, and the canonization process. I'm not worth getting much into. But he was, you know, he lived in the 1880s, in the modern age, and uh, he was, uh, as a college student, exposed to very much the same things that modern college students are exposed to, various degrees and varieties of Satanism, born out of the uh, Freemasonic foundations of Italian universities. And of course, uh, there are plenty of those here in the United States as well, since the entire nation, nation's the wrong word, the entire polity is built upon Freemasonic uh, foundations. And being exposed to the occult, he went full in. He just, he just did a cannonball right into that pool. And he was uh, immersed in it. He became a satanic priest and was afflicted deeply by depression, by anxiety, by despair. And went to a childhood friend who exposed him to the Holy Rosary. And it was by the Holy Rosary that Bartolo Longo was converted renounced all of his interest in the occult and devoted his entire life to the propagation of the rosary. And he's responsible for building, uh, well, he found a dilapidated little chapel in a town south of Mount Vesuvius called Pompeii. And in that town, he took this chapel and he built it up into a great church because he felt that uh, after speaking with the people and finding out how deeply uh, ensconced they were in superstitions and very poor theology, very poor catechesis, he decided that this was the place to spread the Holy Rosary to bring them to conversion. And he, uh, uh, he was so successful in this that he became a, a personal acquaintance of Pope Leo XIII, who uh, in turn uh, gave a great deal of papal support to the what is now the Basilica of the Shrine of uh, Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary in Pompeii, which you can still go and see and pray in. Don't just go see it. Go to pray, make pilgrimage. All of these represent great examples of tremendous conversion in the face of despair. They recognized that they could overcome their despair and their doubts through penitence. And so they spent their entire life doing a penance, some kind of penance. St. Augustine gave up marriage. Uh, St. Mary of Egypt disappeared into the desert for 40 years. St. Mary Magdalene, of course, accompanied our Lord. And, Saint, and Bartolo Longo, who's beatified but not formally speaking a saint yet, spent his entire life and all of his fortune on bringing the faith to its fullness in the little town of Pompeii. It is through our penance, and St. Thomas teaches us this as well, when we are in doubt, it is through penance that our doubt is overcome. When St. Thomas goes to Christ, or Christ comes to St. Thomas, I should say, because he did not believe in the resurrection based on the testimony of his brother apostles, 
Now, of course, remember, Pentecost had not happened yet, so the, the apostles did not have the power of, of persuasion that they were given after Pentecost. Uh, and to almost to demonstrate how weak their own persuasion was and how much the spread of the faith depended on the Holy Ghost coming down from heaven on Pentecost. They could not even sell this idea of the resurrection to one of their own. They failed to convince St. Thomas. And so Christ himself came to Thomas and manifested himself. And Thomas's reaction was to fall to his knees and say, My Lord and my God. It was an act of contrition those words and they are words that we say every Sunday when we see the Blessed Sacrament elevated in the midst of Mass and it is because it is an act of faith it is an act of hope and it is an act of contrition all rolled up into one my Lord and my God what a confession it was through that act of contrition, through the perfect contrition, that St. Thomas manifested that his sin of doubt was washed away and he came to be one of the great apostles. He was responsible, in fact, for converting a, a large number of people in India, which remained a place that was beyond the reach of Christianity for many centuries. And his... Uh, Martoma Christians is the community that's still there. They're still there. They were uh, that the original community that was founded by St. Thomas. And he was also responsible in part for spreading Christianity to China. Now later on, that Christianity became corrupted by the heresies of Nestorius from Constantinople. But nevertheless, all that, that whole vineyard was planted by St. Thomas. And that was, that was something that Throughout most of Western history, we were unable to spread the faith as broadly as the apostles did, and as St. Thomas did in particular in the Far East. So see how his doubt, through penance and conversion, gave way to the great flowering of the faith in a place where really the faith had no, uh, it was not native soil by any stretch of the imagination. Another thing I talked about yesterday, and I'm coming up long here now, was the table of Simon the leper, the three roles that we could play there. First, as Judas, the rebuke of Christ. Second, as the woman who comes and anoints the feet of Christ in penance. And third, as Simon the leper and the other apostles who were present who were mere spectators. And we have to choose, because we'll, no matter what we do, this dinner at the table of Simon the leper is going on in our hearts all the time. And we have to choose. Are we merely watching? Are we rebuking Christ in our sins to try to excuse ourselves, which is what we do when we make excuses. We rebuke Christ. And, or are we penitents? who come and prepare Christ for burial. Judas prepares Christ for his crucifixion. He does that today when he goes and contracts with the Pharisees and the Jews and takes his 30 shekels and, and prepares to hand Christ over to be crucified. 
which was a horrific way to die, and he knew it was coming. Or do we prepare Christ for his burial and for his resurrection, as the woman did? She may have been Mary Magdalene, she may have been another penitent. In any case, she prepared Christ for burial and therefore prepared herself for the resurrection. Or are we merely looking on, not really understanding what's going on, not really dedicating ourselves to the faith, just watching. I encourage you all to listen to Bishop Sheen's uh, last Easter sermon in which he talks about the three different spectators at the cross, because it, it builds off of this theme. Now all of our doubts are washed away through active participation in Holy Week throughout our lives. Holy Week is a concentrated form of it, but we wash away our doubts through penance and through belief in the resurrection and through making that act of faith, the act of hope, and the act of contrition that is, and that is all contained, and the act of, of charity too, that's a love of God that's contained in the statement. All four acts are all contained there. Uh, in that statement by St. Thomas, my Lord and my God, and we don't need to use those words, but when we look at Christ, when we contemplate him, and I encourage everyone this week to make some time to sit before the Holy Eucharist, when we contemplate him, and the miracle of the Holy Eucharist. What we consider is the love of God, the hope he promises us, the faith he has given us, and the contrition we should feel at being so unworthy before him. And so my prayer today is that all of us, invoking St. Thomas, and remembering Judas, who also doubted and went in a very different direction. We'll have our doubts assuaged by the faith that comes from the Holy Eucharist and by Christ's absolute, total, and real presence in our lives through our penance through our prayer and through our alms and that having prepared ourselves for the resurrection we shall be able to say with full hearts on Easter Sunday my Lord and my God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost Amen